We're going to talk about the power of music today with two powerful, anointed women of song and music right here. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome, friends, to the Line of Fire today. I am thrilled to be with you and delighted to have this time together as we continue to talk about the power of music. I am just having the slightest hard time connect. There we go, getting my screen up and connected. I had a wonderful time ministering in Italy, in the Naples area this weekend, and traveled back, oh, I guess about 19 hours yesterday, got home around... 1230, a little bit past midnight, and so excited about this week. We've got some very, very special guests that are going to be joining us as we talk about the power of music. And I'm already hearing some great responses to to folks from uh, yesterday's broadcast. They, uh, They were listening and talked about the power of music in their own lives, the impact that it's had. So, uh, thrilled to talk further about this. And uh, my first guest today, Becca Shea, uh, she's, well, she's got some amazing creative stuff that she's doing. Uh, She's been a Dove nominated award artist, and she's taking some songs that you might know in the secular world, and she's using them for the gospel, among other things, amazing voice, great heart for the Lord, and she was one of the most enthusiastic readers of my book. So I, I, I want to talk this week with folks that are on the front lines, folks you listen to, folks who have YouTube, their YouTube videos you enjoy and, and you worship with their music or you use it for outreach and things like that. So we can explore more the remarkable power of music. Becca, hey, great to be with you on the broadcast today. So, so thank you so much for having me. So, so Becca, yeah, tell us a little bit about your own background and the role that music plays in your life. Yeah, um, well, it's a, it's a huge part of our lives. Uh, married to my um, best friend, favorite person on the planet, and happens to be uh, my partner, who is a producer and engineer, and he does he's pretty much um, a genius at creating uh, amazing music everything that we've done we've done together so we we really live we live and breathe in these sounds because this is our life so we do this all day long so we live our life as a family with my three daughters joy grace and hope and um we create music all day (laughs) so um it's it's a big part i would say that uh for me when you know, um, my life was fully surrendered to God. I developed a great sensitivity to um, just the spiritual aspect of what music is and what it holds and the power that it, it you know, it holds to create an atmosphere and to change atmospheres, to change moods, to um, really to speak to us in the lyrics. I mean, everything just mattered so much more. So, 
I became so sensitive to that. And the more that, you know, obviously that I matured and then being a mother uh, has just really made me more aware of what it can do and how it can affect people and how it can create um, life and death, really. Mm. So how, I, I'm how really old passionate your, about it. Yeah, yeah how, how old are your kids now, Becca? So I have my oldest is eleven, and then I have mm. a ten-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. Oh, okay. So yeah. let's let's talk for a moment about music bringing the power of death. And here, as as an artist and as a, a singer songwriter yourself, you're you're more in tune with these things having to do with the power of music. But how how can yeah. music be that powerful in a, in a deadly way? Well, you know, I mean, we know that life has holds the power of life you know our, in our words we hold the power of life and death in our tongue in our words i mean the power of just a word is proven when god speaks you know let there be light and all of a sudden there's light there exists it's there so we you know faith comes by hearing the word of god and we believe and things manifest and they they become you know before us they exist they become, come into existence. So I think, you know, the fact that people throw around the idea that the words don't matter, it's just the beat, is, is absolutely silly and ridiculous because words do matter. Words bring life and words bring death. And so um, just the words, that's what I'm speaking of right now. But as far as music, there's also a sound and there's frequencies and there's the frequency of heaven. There's the sound of heaven. There's a sound that, you know, David played and so I was you know, it, it was like people were healed. There's miracles that come from sounds. And to say that that's not true is ridiculous as well, because it's throughout the Bible, you know. So I, I think that we need to know the Word of God and know how God uses um, sound and how He uses words. And then we'll become more sensitive to understanding the power of music. And, you know, I believe that there are... Like, for instance, you know, there's gifts that God gives us, and I would say a good example would be, like, prophecy. Um, God gives the gift of prophecy, and then there could be, um, at the same time, somebody who has been given the gift of prophecy but is using it but is using it for, you know, fortune-telling, and they're on the street with a fortune-telling booth or something. And But really, it was intended to bring um, people an understanding of the heart of God, but instead they're using it in the wrong way. And I think, you know, we need to be aware that really it's the gift is from God, but it's who's holding the gift. And I think a lot of times people acknowledge the creativity and, you know, the splendor of the gift. They think, oh, this is, you know, they really admire the gift, but they um, tend to overlook who's holding that gift and how they're using it. And, and it's, it's very dangerous. Got it. So, so Becca, how have you seen music used as you've ministered in music or as you hear from folks who have listened to your songs, what type of impact is it having for life, for changing lives? What, what have, what have you seen with your own eyes? What are you hearing from folks who have partaken of, of your music ministry? It's really incredible. It's actually more than what I, I've, I've thought to I've even thought and imagined um, many times I've heard testimonies that were 
um, huge, huge, you know, blessings for me because I, I, I feel as though a lot of times that I'm just expressing our heart and our worship and our, our very personal, like our own praise and worship to God. And, and this is just our life and we're just breathing and we're walking with God and doing what we love and loving what we do. And I know that the heart is definitely to allow it to, to draw people's hearts back to him. But there's so many times where it does so much more. And um, I would get, I guess, I guess I give an instance in uh, an album that I made. It was my seventh album. It was called rest. And I was just in a really busy season and I was nonstop. We were traveling so much. Um, we, it was just so many things going on. And I, I clearly heard, you know, a command from God saying, you need to stop, you need to rest. And so um, we stopped everything. And this album actually was the most easiest thing that we've ever created. And I remember we just had this beautiful sound and it was just like, we're just going to worship. We're just going to wait on God, however long it takes. And we're just going to do this as, and I knew it would be more of a soaking album. It wasn't going to be something that maybe would necessarily be, you know, radio play or that was going to sell or it was going to be catching the ears of, it was very different than the direction we were taking it before. So I just knew that that was going to be, something different but it was something that I felt was more of a mandate and a commandment um like God was saying just stop and we need to do this Mm -hmm. and as I was creating in the studio I remember a lot of times I was just sitting at the mic and I just allow the Holy Spirit to sing through me um and just I was waiting on him to say something through me and I would just be in the word and I'd just be reading and waiting and um I I saw visions you know of kind of like a Holy Spirit just going through into workplaces where people were just filled with anxiety, um, like a woman who looked very depressed at her death. And I just saw, you know, this spirit hover over her and like just gave like breath, like basically like breathe life over her. And she she was like rejuvenated and refreshed and come back. And then it would go into like the hospital doors and, and the windows, it would go in there and then it would, you know, come over people who were sick and it would bring healing to them. And there was, it was like, I saw like a, a couple that was going through marital problems and it just like, you know, surrounded them and it was just bringing restoration and healing. And so I could see these different things happening and I just, it was like a constant prayer while it was being created. Um, what I, I, I thought was so amazing, you know, and I just, I remember just praising God for the things that he would do through it. However, I didn't even think of one of these things um, the first testimonies that I got from after creating this album was I, I heard a, a woman come to me after a conference that I was attending, and she said that she listened to this this rest album in her labor and delivery, and she had a child a pain free delivery childbirth, and um, that was like an amazing miracle. And I thought, oh, praise God, that's so amazing. And and then all of a sudden, like you know. A, few weeks later, I got an email of somebody else and they said, I was listening to this album over and over and I had a, you know, pain-free, like supernatural childbirth and delivery. And I was like, wow, somebody else said that. And then it was amazing. So I think, I think it's been up. Yeah. It's been up to like probably I think six. And I remember I was in Michael Smith's home one year and I, 
and his daughter just happened to be in labor downstairs. That's kind of crazy, but I remember we were doing a meeting at his house, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm at Michael W. Smith's house, who is so anointed and powerful and amazing, and I was like, but I just feel like I really need to get this for his daughter because... So, you know, I just feel like a lot of times when we just surrender and we devote everything to God, there's so much more that He's doing beyond what we could even see. Um, it's just a matter of committing it to Him and, and giving it to Him. And, um, you know, I, I feel as though... And to tell you what, I've got to gotta jump in. we got a break here. But we come back, I, I want to talk about taking some songs that are familiar in the years of the world, and then using them with gospel messages. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hosanna, Hosanna. All of my heart is crying. Hosanna, Hosanna. He's coming back soon. We need him more than ever. All of my heart is crying, Hosanna, he's raising up a standard, Hosanna, Hosanna. We need to wake up, acknowledge his presence. Yeah, that's the voice of Becca Shea. Maybe you've listened to one of the projects she and her husband have put out, 13 studio projects now together, some top-of-the-chart radio singles. And let me tell you what Becca said about our new book, The Power of Music. She said, this book will stir up musicians artists, and worshipers everywhere to dive deeper into an appreciation and adoration of the one himself who created sounds, songs, and melodies. It challenges your eternal perspective on music and its power to revolutionize the world. It has set my soul on fire with even more desire to partner with the sound of heaven to write lyrics that would pierce and captivate hearts to purity, renew the minds of listeners, pave a path to freedom, and create sanctified atmospheres to see people experience divine encounters with God. Friends, you can get the new book, The Power of Music, God's Call to Change the World, One Song at a Time, on our website, together with audio from the different interviews I'm doing. So with Becca Shea and then uh, Kalani Glickler, Aaron Kreider, who wrote the theme song for our broadcast here, Paul Wilbur, you'll be getting the audio as well as the book. So go to our website now, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. So, Becca, the, the clip that, that we just played now, uh, that is a, a melody that would be familiar to some listeners from a, a tune that's a very different tune, and then you've rewritten the words. What's, what's this about? Where'd you get the vision to do it, and, and what's the goal? Yeah, well, I, you know, it had, it's been a few years ago. I guess I was, it was just a really dark time. I felt like everything that was playing on the radio, I mean, which is hard, you know, because a lot of times it's uninvited. It's where you, just wherever you are, you can be in the right, mall, right. grocery store, and you're just hearing it. So I would, you know, I just would be hearing these and just be so offended. I'd get mad because I was hearing something that I just couldn't believe. I remember, I actually remember a few times there were things that were on the radio during that time, and I would look at my husband, and I'd look around, like, I felt like, is this, is this really happening? Like, do people hear what's 
said is this yep. you know yep. i can still catch myself sometimes going how is this okay and um and i thought am i just am i just really crazy am i really that sensitive and um i remember i had i i just had a moment with god and i got i was just mad i was angry i was like why is this okay and why am i the weird one why am i the outcast that feels so strange in this world that this is not okay and god just uh had to deal with me and he just was like you know i've i've put i've put my my words in your heart and and if you hear this you know it was just a a cool just epiphany i think it was something that god just gave me a a moment where he was like you know sing a new song to me just sing a new song to me when you hear that you know there's a reason why it's so catchy there's a reason why it's it's so big um that was one of the boggling things was like that wow these are top these are on the top of the charts these are the top selling songs yeah. the top played you know on the radio these are the the concerts that are selling out and i just thought wow what is it what is it god what is it about this that people want why do they like this and um it comes down to that he's you know he's the creator he creates these beautiful things and he creates these good things the enemy doesn't create anything good you know, the devil doesn't create anything good. Just God creates good. And uh, people have taken it and they've destroyed it. So there's this familiar thing um, that I found. That it's, it's like a formula that um, people are familiar. Their spirits are meant to, you know, to recognize the things of God. Um, but when the, when the enemy comes and perverts it, it's like a manipulation. It's like a deception. And he makes what's good bad, but but you're you're still experiencing this thing that's good. Like there's this thing like you, and and so um so I just tried to imagine you know what was this intended to be like what would this be if this was really you know meant to praise God if this was meant and created to sound like something that would bring God glory it would be pure what would we do if we took this and made it pure and so I would just sing songs around the house and I would sing them in my car and I would just I refused to let that, you know, bother me. And and so then I got a kick out of just taking, like, the worst of the worst ones. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, what is the worst I can find? And let me do this. And um, I did this a couple times, and I shared it with some friends, and then they put the seeds in my heart. They were like, you need to share this. And so um, then my husband got, you know, challenged because, you know, he's a producer, and he loves these sounds, he loves these beats, and he thought, you know, I'm going to try to, see if I could, I could do this and I could create this. And so it just, uh, it got so much attention. And at first we were, you know, it was very personal for me. I felt like I was kind of just personal against like, you know, just wanting to have fun and see what I could do to bring, you know, switch it around and take what the enemy stole and just go take it back. But then um, because of the attention it was getting and the way that it was really becoming such a blessing to other people, it, it just, we started to have a lot of fun doing that and seeing the response. Um, it, it really blessed so many people. And when you asked how it could bring life, we received so many testimonies and stories about people who actually came to God. I mean, their hearts were being drawn back to the Father because of this music. So it was a way, it did way more and was so much more amazing than we could have ever thought. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's so interesting. Uh, William Booth said that every note belonged to God and that the devil would have to steal God's notes to use them. And William Booth would have all these guys that were alcoholics and derelicts 
and they would sing these songs in the bar, you know, these drinking tunes, and then they they rewrote them. They took the same tunes because the tune itself was not a profane or or a satanic tune in that regard, and they put gospel lyrics to it and marched down the street singing. So you have all these alcoholics and derelicts and others hearing the familiar tunes. It draws them in. Then they heard the gospel. Uh, Martin Luther did similar things. And obviously not every sound can be redeemed for the gospel. You could turn up distortion so loud it blows your eardrums out. But but why not do that? And, uh, yeah, I've, I don't know some of the, the songs, so I've had to look at them afterwards, you know, some of the ones that you've done. But obviously for people familiar with it, it's like, whoa, there's the tune. But now it's it's glorifying the Lord. And, Becca, real quick, uh, where can folks go? Where's the best place for them to go to find out about your music and, and watch the videos? Where should they go? Yeah, sure. Um, BeccaSay.com. And we're, we're on all of the platforms, all the music platforms, like iTunes and Spotify. And um, it's, it's not very difficult to find us. But I will tell you that uh, recently we have taken on YouTube, we've taken a lot of the cover songs down. Um, we just felt a leading to take them down. So if people are trying to look for those. There may be somebody else who posted them, but um, we took some down. I think it's just a new season, and we're in a time where I really believe that God is going to be releasing new and fresh sounds to us, and um, it's going to be just like a new time of creativity for us. So we just feel like that we don't necessarily have to do that as much as it's been a, a great blessing to so many Got people. Got it. Got it. Yeah. All right, so so friends, so make sure you spell the name right, Becca. That's B E C K A H S H A E. Becca, Becca B E C K A H, and then S H A E. And really, uh, God's given you a, a wonderful voice. The creativity with you and your husband is awesome. But the thing that really makes it special is a heart for the Lord and recognition of the anointing. And then that's the whole reason I wrote this book to say if you get it all together, the power of music with the power of a gospel message, clothed in the Spirit. It, it really is world-changing. So, Becca, I, I really appreciate the enthusiastic review. Of the, I think you were the very first uh, worship leader, songwriter, uh, singer to, to uh, create a person that I, that I gave it to read once it was finished uh, as we met up at the Messianic Conference. But we just got about a minute before the break. But yeah. uh, I, I read what you said about it. But as, as you read the book, Anything you can share with, with my listeners in terms of what impact you think it'll have on them? Yeah, well, I absolutely am, I mean, 100% like humbled and privileged, and I feel just like it's a complete honor to um, just to, to have met you and to be able to have the opportunity to read this book. It was absolutely something that I was so passionate about. And one of the things I admire most about you, Dr. Brown, is your your courage and your boldness to speak the truth and to just go for it, go all in and, and say what is. And um, so this book to me is very bold and it's, it's so well put together to help the listener and the reader to understand and um, I guess pretty much make sense of it all. It gives a great understanding, but also at the same time, you can feel, um, you can feel the impact of the message. You can feel the impact of what God really wants us to, wants to reveal to us through music. And so that we can make the right moves and we can make the right choices and we can 
um, protect our children and and to use it for the right purpose. So I'm just I'm so grateful to you. I can't say it enough. Thank you for writing this book and thank you um, for sharing it with me and for being bold enough to share it with the world. All right. Well, hey, thanks for the kind words. So here we got to put this on a wish list that you've got to uh, sing one night uh, before I speak. We'll, we'll figure out how to do that. We'll make it happen one of these days, and, and that'll be a joy. And I got a signed copy of the book, Honest Way to You. Thanks for joining us today, friends. Becca Shea, B C K A H S H A E. Join her online. All right. We got it out. God bless you. Thanks so much. God bless you. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. So so what is it that makes music so powerful? Have you ever been in a church service and it's kind of dull and people are not really engaged and then the worship leader goes in a different direction and and suddenly it's as if God walked in the room? Uh, Suddenly it's as if Everything changed. There, there's a dynamic. There's, there's a lifting. Uh, people are looking to the Lord. They're passionate. Or, or maybe uh, before someone speaks, a uh, man or woman gets up and they're just going to do one song, special music, and next thing, the, the whole atmosphere has changed. I, I talked yesterday about how, how the brain is wired, that we're a musical species, and music affects the brain in a unique way. Talked about maybe your favorite movie tracks and your favorite uh, movies and you take the, the musical track out and the thing just is kind of drained of its power. So this week, today, tomorrow, Thursday, we're talking to worship leaders, to songwriters, to, to folks who, who have harnessed the power of music for the glory of God. My new book, The Power of Music, just officially out today. So you can order your copy when you order on our website, AskDrBrown.org. You'll also get some of the audio interviews that we're doing this week. So you get the audio file along with the book exclusively here on The Line of Fire. So some years back, I was participating at a worship event with my friend Paul Wilbur, who'll be joining us on Thursday at New Life Christian Fellowship in Jacksonville, Florida. And I was going to bring a short message in the midst of this. And, and then uh, in the midst of the worship, the pastor introduced the worship leader of the church. She had a, a fascinating sounding name and she came out and suddenly, boy, what, what powerful uh, anointed songs. And in, in fact, uh, let's get clip one. This is what I heard that night. Yeah, the voice of Kalani Gleckler, the executive director of Access Worship International. Her website, Kalani.com, K-E-L-A-N-I-E. And she's with us now on Lana Fire. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. 
Hi, it's great to be with you. Appreciate it very much. Hey, first thing, you've got a fascinating name, first and last. Where did, where did you get the first name from? Uh, well, my mom heard that name, Kalani, when she was very young, and there was a, another woman whose name was Kalani, and that that lady's testimony really impacted my mom in a deep way. And I found out years later that, I mean, I'd, I had always known it was a Hawaiian name, but I eventually discovered that the, the literal translation means the heavens, which really? I think is pretty cool. <laughs> So, yeah, unusual. I, I, I'm hearing, though, that uh, the name is gaining a little bit of popularity these days, so I'm not I'm not the only Kalani in the world anymore. Got it. Yeah, well, I, I didn't know the, the background or the meaning of the name. Very very interesting. When did you, you take a liking to music? Well, I, I was a pretty shy kid growing up. I am a pastor's kid, and um, I, I tried to learn the piano when I was really young, and it just didn't quite click for me, but both my grandfathers were guitar players, and I was always really drawn to that instrument. Um, I used to just kind of hide away. I'd grab my grandfather's guitar and, you know, try to figure out how to play it, and eventually um, took some lessons and started learning how to how to put chords together, and just, I loved it. I loved playing the guitar, and honestly, just sitting in my room and singing to Jesus is really how I started. I, I didn't necessarily see myself being on the stage doing anything big, um, but when I was in high school, um, I started leading worship some, and eventually there was a gifting and a, a calling on my life that some other people saw and began to speak over me and encourage me. Um, and so, yeah, I've been leading worship since I was a teenager. You know, one thing that I noticed that night when I was first introduced to, to your ministry, uh, as you were singing, you every so often just break out in, in a big smile. I was rem- reminded of it when I was grabbing a clip for the show from, from YouTube, and there seemed to be just a kind of a genuine delight in what you were doing. You know, it wasn't performing, obviously. It wasn't a job, but there seemed to be a joyful delight. So it must be the experience you've had with the Lord. You've now been able to bring out and bring other people into as well. Right. Well, you know, it's it's my hope always and my desire to help people encounter the presence of the Lord and it's for me it's not it's not a performance. I uh, there's a part of me that always wants to just stay super connected to Jesus in a personal way even in the midst of you know, whatever congregation or crowd I'm in front of or whatever stage I'm on. But he's, you know, he's radically changed my life. And so there's, uh, I delight to sing to him and to, you know, really try to tap into what I like to call the other half of the conversation in worship, where we're, we're singing to him, we're, you know, exalting him. But there's a place in the midst of that where he begins to sing over us. And there's just such joy for me. And helping people get, step into that place where we really um, begin to hear his song over us and release and declare things into the earth, in, you know, in alignment with his heart and with heaven, with heaven's sound. All right. Now, for some of my listeners and viewers, what you're saying is very familiar, and they're familiar with Zephaniah 3 that, that speaks of God singing over us in his love. For others, it's it's a new concept. So, Let's say you've got someone that loves the Lord, 
but has never thought of the, quote, other side of the conversation or the songs of heaven or God singing over us. So explain it to someone who loves the Lord, but they have no idea what you're talking about, what this realm is. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, the scripture that you just mentioned is a really important one to be familiar with, that God is a singing God, He's and He's put within us a musical spirit, which is why every one of us, whether we can carry a tune or not, um, enjoy music. We're, we're moved by that. But in, in the place of worship and using song and using music to engage in worship um, to the Lord, um, He's always, you know, what, what we need to understand is that um, He's always speaking. He's always um, saying things and singing over his people if we would just learn to, to dial into that and listen to that a little bit. I mean, obviously, we know that um, as believers, the, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and um, he is uh, the one who, you know, takes the thing. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. He's a, a t- our teacher. He's speaking to us, and so in the place of, of worship, when we're Focusing on the Lord, on His beauty, on His majesty, on His goodness, when we begin to um, fix our eyes on Him, I think we would be remiss to to think that that's all all that needed to happen. Because we, know in the atmosphere of worship, in the atmosphere of faith, um, in the midst of a lot of people, God's doing so many things at the same time, and in a personal way, in different people's hearts. He's there's that still small voice. There's that stirring on the inside when we are um, connecting to his presence, when we're feeling something, we're feeling his presence, we're, you know, sometimes we we're, we cry when, it, when we feel his presence come upon us. Um, some, you know, people sometimes um, receive healing, or um, sometimes they might just hear a phrase, that still small voice on the inside. There's all kinds of things that, that are happening as we, as the body of Christ, begin to come into that place of agreement about who he is and singing to him. So in that in that space of having that conversation of, of talking to the Lord or singing to him, he's doing stuff. He's speaking. He's singing. He's making deposits in people's hearts. And so that's what I mean by the other half of the conversation is that uh, that's what a lot of us refer to as prophetic worship. It's hearing, you know, what is God saying right now? What's he saying to me personally? And what's he saying to us as a body or to our region, and how do we release that by through song? How do we declare that right now into the atmosphere? Because that that does bring transformation. That brings a shift. It's very very powerful, which is some of the things that you mentioned in your book, the power of music. So, obviously, uh, part of Bishop Paul Zing's church leading worship there for ten years. There's a great esteem for the importance of the Word of God. The Word of God is central in preaching and teaching every week. There are other classes to educate people in the Word. So we, we absolutely, fundamentally value, esteem, honor the centrality of preaching and teaching and believe that that should be a key point in, in every one of our gatherings. Yet we also recognize that certain things happen with music that don't happen otherwise. So you have a worship school, you teach, you instruct— and yet, to certain things, there is an atmosphere, there is an effect on us as human beings through, through music. What have you found to be some of the unique things that can happen in the atmosphere of worship and praise that just don't happen 
just sitting, talking, teaching, preaching, that there's, there's a place music can bring you that's unique. Right. Oh, wow. I think there's a lot, a lot to that because music, like we said before, music is, is, um, it, it moves the soul. It, it moves our heart. We have a musical spirit. And so there's that part that's going on for sure. But I think, uh, I think worship, when we're, when we're singing to the Lord, and sometimes in worship, we're actually singing the word of God, but yep. it's in that place that we're beholding, uh, we're beholding the beauty of the Lord. And I believe that, um, as we do that, it certainly does uh, prepare our hearts. It, it creates space in our hearts for the Word of God uh, to, to go deeper, to be planted into our hearts in a fresh and profound way, because we need, we need, that, we need the revelation to come, not just to be receiving information um, from the Bible. Of course, that's important, but we want the, the fresh revelation that, that's breathed um, by the Spirit of God on what we're hearing and what we're receiving. Um, yeah, there's just something really special, I think, too, because, you know, people don't go home from a church service um, necessarily quoting the sermon, no matter how good the sermon might be. The thing that sticks with us is melody. It's the songs that we sing, which is why I think it's important for, for um, songwriters who are writing music for the body of Christ to sing, to, to be mindful of that. We're, you know, basically singing um, our view and our belief about God we're, we're yeah. singing theologians as it were yeah, exactly it's singing theologians is, and how deep is our theology how solid is our theology that's how deep and solid the theology of the worshipers would be alright more with Kalani Gleckler her website Kalani.com It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. You know, it's, it's really true. If you can get people singing a song, it'll change attitudes, change minds. They're songs sung during the Vietnam protests and people said that was the song that stopped the war because it became contagious. People sang it and it spread from place to place. And, and, and next thing, it's just a theme song. And some of the great theology of the church has been learned through some of the great hymns that have been written over the years. As, as I share in the book, The Power of Music, it was an encounter with the joy of the Lord in worship. The night that I said to the Lord, I'll never put a needle on my arm again, where, where I encountered the love of God. And here's what uh, Kalani Gleckler said about my new book, The Power of Music. Dr. Brown has written a must-read for all musicians, singers, and songwriters who desire to harness the power of music to glorify Jesus, change the atmosphere, and release heaven's sound on the earth. I'll be using the power of music in our worship school to equip students with an understanding of music's influence throughout history and to encourage them to fully step into partnership with God to shift culture and make history through music and song. That's that's why I wrote the book. And you know, Kalani, I, I really felt this burden to write first and foremost for people like you on the front lines, leading the worship, writing songs, teaching, training, and then for everyone, every worshiper, every lover of music. But but I really felt to 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 write it as a labor of love and to put it in your hands to say, hey, use this as a tool to enhance people's understanding of the power of music. You've you've traveled widely over the years now, ministering, and obviously 
you see enough happening in people's lives that you've established your own school of worship. So what are you seeking to do? What are you seeking to reproduce and produce? What effect do you want it to have on the body of Christ? Yeah, you know, I've, I, this is something that I've carried um, for quite some time in my life to, to really equip a generation of worshipers, and we're just kind of stepping into that season now. But it, yeah, we're definitely about um, training and equipping worship leaders and musicians and songwriters to really have both the spiritual and like the musical tools to to flow and to lead in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we really want to want to raise up a generation that knows how to 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 tune into heaven's sound, you know, and release that into the earth to to be releasers of the presence and the voice of the Lord wherever they go. So our hearts are really um, turning towards the generation that's coming that's coming up right now. And also um, to release this kind of training and equipping into the nations. There's such a, a hunger and a need for good, uh, good tools, good curriculum, um, resources that will help, uh, especially young people in the nation. So we're really working on developing that kind of material right now that will be not just a bunch of information, but the kind of thing that will unlock, um, unlock deep wells inside of these young people. What would you say to someone that wants to write music, they they feel they may have a song, maybe they're a musician, maybe they can just sing a tune, maybe they have concepts, but they, they've just never done it, and it almost seems like a giant mountain to them. What would you say to them? Well, yeah, I can totally understand that feeling. I've felt it before, and I have talked to a lot of people who are in that same position. And I would say, first of all, especially if you want to, you want to write songs or write music for worship, spending time in the presence of the Lord and uh, getting in the Word of God, developing that language with the Lord, first and foremost, is so important. And then to learn learn an instrument. If you don't already know how to play an instrument, um, take some lessons. You know, we're in an age of information like never before. You can go on YouTube and teach yourself things that, you know, that weren't available a few years ago, so definitely get some knowledge. You need to, to learn some music to have some tools on board. We're actually um, going to be doing a songwriting course in March, a four-week course that um, is designed for people who want to learn more about how to write songs and how to, to develop that craft, um, and so that will be a helpful tool for some people. And there'll be info on your website, Kalani.com? There is, or... Um, the class is through Access Worship International, so we have a website, accessworshipinternational.com, would be the best place to find information about any of our online courses. Um, we have a few that are already available, and we've got new ones coming this year, so that would be a great uh, resource for your listeners, for sure. Great. All right, so let, let's go into one of your songs. The, uh, we played a clip from there's, there's No One Like Jehovah. How did that one come about? That one was a, a really special song for me. It actually uh, came about through uh, Bishop Paul Zink, who you mentioned earlier, He's my mm-hmm. my pastor here. He was doing a, a series, um, a sermon series at the time, and there was just something that was stirring in me. I was taking a lot of notes, and um, I felt like there was a song that would be coming out of that. And so I just spent some time with 
just even the revelation that I was receiving as he was preaching and speaking, and um, I started hearing little phrases. And uh, every song for me, I've I've written, been writing songs for a good while now, and I've discovered that um, every song is unique. <laughs> so there's no one way that that they always come. But this one really came through uh, through that series that he preached, and just taking time then to craft it into a song. And we we sang it here for the first time. I'll never forget it. The Sunday morning that we we sang it, introduced it to our congregation, and because everyone everyone had been in that place, you know, in the word and with the Lord, it was like, it was like the song of the house. It, it was our song. And it was sort of like taking everything that we, we'd been um, immersed in, in the word, and then being able to sing it, you know, because music and singing is the best way to help a whole group of people say the same thing at the same time for the same purpose. And I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, like transformational power that comes in that place of agreement. Yeah, and, and when you, you speak about people saying the same thing at, at the same time, uh, there there's a quote in in um, in my music book where I you know some some folk you know from Little Richard talking about the power of music to you know, these folk songwriters Woody Guthrie talking about it and and one of them had said to the president President Truman look if you if you just let me sing my songs and get the nation singing them you know the whole nation could be healed and things, you know, cause, cause I'm a prophet singer and people sing it to him. That was his worldly perspective, but, but he grasped right. the power of that, you know, other quotes that doesn't matter who writes your laws, just matters who, who writes your songs. That's, what's going to change a nation. And, and I think somehow the church can take hold of that in a more powerful way, not just for worship, but for outreach as well. So as, as, as you read through my book, power of music, and I, I really appreciated the enthusiastic email responses and we got a bunch of books to send your way to, to give out to friends. But was there anything, as, as I was going through the history of music and its impact on the world, anything you learned in terms of, of the power of music to in fact in, impact society, even in a negative manner? Well, there was story after story that you include in the book. Uh, it was, for me, there was a history lesson because there were things that I didn't know and so that really stood out to me. And even, you know, I've always loved Handel's Messiah. and there's some things um, in the story of Handel and how he wrote that piece and the connection to his own life, what was going on um, in his life, and even something that you mentioned in the story about um, prisoners um, yeah. being freed. Um, yeah, just, just really to jump in, yeah, to explain that, that, and I didn't know this until I read a book, just a whole book just written on the writing of Handel's Messiah when I was writing the Power of Music book. But yeah, the proceeds of the first performances went to free people from debtor's prison. Cause if, if you yeah. owed a sum of money and you couldn't pay it, you'd be thrown into debtor's prison. We're basically going to rot there cause you can't work while you're there. So many good people would get actually trapped there. So yeah, the, the proceeds from Handel's Messiah literally liberated debtors from prison. I didn't know that, that either. Yeah. That was, that's amazing because I just actually just heard Handel's Messiah performed here in Jacksonville by our symphony a few weeks ago. And I always go into that thinking, okay, we're in a, this whole room of people without even realizing it. They're about to be immersed in two hours of basically prophetic worship. This is all, you know, <laughs> about the Messiah. And I, just the, there's something in the atmosphere that, that I could see was tangible. You know, I think about even, I remember um, going to a, a Win Winona Judd Christmas concert here in Jacksonville several years ago. 
and uh, a, a friend of mine, a worship leader friend of mine, Don Potter, was yeah. um, her guitar player. He's basically been a, the producer for the Judds for years. And in the middle of the concert, that Wynota did a, a wardrobe change, that so she leaves the stage, and it's just Don Potter and the piano player, and Don begins to sing spontaneously, and without probably most of the people in the room realizing it, he was prophesying in song spontaneously over the city of Jacksonville, and you could hear a pin drop in the place. Like, it was so electric. <laughs> and by the time he finished, the whole place just erupted in clapping and just shouting because I believe they had an encounter, you know, without even fully realizing it. The presence of the Lord came as as Don just declared things over the city, you know. It was, it was amazing. Music transcends some of those barriers, some of those places of resistance that can happen. Um, and I think that's beautiful, and I'm thankful that, that, that that's a tool God's given me and that He's given so many others. We can we, we can use that and harness that power by the power of the Holy Spirit to really bring transformation and change the atmosphere over our city. Yeah, uh, said so so well. And music does bring us someplace that nothing else can do. Friends, find out more about Kalani Gleckler, her school of ministry, the work she's doing, the album she's produced thus far at Kalani. That's K-E-L-A-N-I-E. Kalani.com. And get the audio of all of her interviews this week and my book, The Power of Music, at AskDrBrown.org. Hey, Kalani, look forward to connecting in the future. God bless you. Yeah, bless you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. 